Sarah Rappelard is an SLP and private practice owner in Southeast Georgia. She received her master's in speech language pathology from Auburn University and has practiced in a variety of settings, including SNFs, hospitals, and private practice. Sarah is passionate about providing high quality services to patients, including fees and video stroboscopy. She enjoys involvement in many community and state level organizations, providing education, advocacy, and service to others. Her ultimate pride and joy is her family, including her husband, Philip, and two precious children, Emery and Jackson. Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders and founder of the MetaSLP Collective and MetaSLP Education. This podcast is dedicated to delivering the latest evidence-based practice to medical SLPs everywhere, while also recognizing that medical SLPs everywhere are doing the best with what they've got. Whether you are a new clinician seeking tangible tools for therapy or a seasoned vet stuck in a rut, my goal is simple, to help you advance your practice without feeling overwhelmed or underappreciated. This means that together we'll build confidence, broaden your knowledge, and reignite your passion for our field. So if you're listening, I encourage you to swallow your pride and be open to new ideas because at the end of the day, you and your patients deserve that kind of support. With that, let's dive in. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. Hello, Sarah. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me. Happy to. I'm excited. Yes, I'm so excited to chat with you. All right. So tell the people a little bit about yourself. So I am a speech pathologist in Southeast Georgia. Um, I'm also a private practice owner and have done several things kind of within the field um, since beginning my career and now am pretty much just working in private practice. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited to have you on today because I just, I've known you for a while, but I just, I've loved your story. I've I've known you for, I don't know, maybe probably five years now, maybe, but I I, I met you, you know, when, when we first started the MetaSLP Collective and then you were working within GASHA and I presented for GASHA and it's just, it seems like every time it's like every year I hear like, oh my gosh, have you heard Sarah's doing this now? Have you heard Sarah's doing this now? Have you heard Sarah's doing this now? And I just love to see the progression of your career because I think it's so inspirational. I think it's what a lot of SLPs sort of desire that autonomy and, and you've just decided what you want to do with your career and you've gone and made that happen. And I, I have so much respect for you. And I, I just think it's so inspirational. So I'd love to share that story today. Yeah. I'd love to talk about it. And thank you for all those kind words. That yes, of course. Really makes a girl feel good. Of so, course. <laughs> so I started out, I graduated from Auburn University and was excited to become a medical speech pathologist. Um, I you know, done my internships. I was really excited but I was coming back to a rural area where there are not as many opportunities in that part of our field. Um, I worked for a skilled nursing facility rehab company starting out, did my, my CF, and it was surprisingly a great experience. I learned a lot, and that's kind of how I jumped off into what I was doing. So I was already involved in GASHA and some different leadership roles within that. And while I was working for the rehab company, 
I actually was connected to Vince Clark, who I'm sure everyone in the collective is very familiar with because he was my fees provider. And we, I would get, you know, really fired up about patient care and what I was advocating for and really making sure I was doing high quality work. And I remember him saying one day, you need to just do this. And I was like, sure. Yeah, that's actually a great idea. I think I should. And um, I kind of jumped off from there and I did, I know my basic fees course up in Nashville. I um, joined your fees biz blueprint and I was doing all the things, you know, to get set up. And that was kind of what I was going to be. I was going to be a mobile fees provider and I was going to serve skilled nursing facilities. But my career took a total turn Mm -hmm. and I ended up expanding to be an outpatient therapy provider. And so now we're to the point where we still do mobile fees. We're still, you know, serving our skilled nursing facilities and accepting new contracts and doing all those things. But we also have a full multidisciplinary clinic. We have PT, OT, and speech therapy and lots of ideas for all kinds of new things to add to have just a very whole person centered practice and not a typical typical what you think of in the current healthcare system. Yeah, yeah. So what I've what I really like to tell people is that what we do is we work really hard to humanize the healthcare system because it's it's not very humanized yeah. in many, many ways. So that's kind of where where I started and where we are now. Yeah. So talk a little bit about, um, cause it's interesting. I, you know, I, I know you originally started to get into mobile fees and the next thing I knew you were setting up a brick and mortar facility. And I would love to hear, I would hear it from you sort of how that whole evolution started. And was it, you know, someone that said you should go do this or was it just something that was really on your heart that was pulling at you? So what I initially did, I, you know, was doing the mobile fees and meeting lots of people doing that. And then what I kind of did in between that was I connected with a few different ENTs and I started contracting into their practices to do voice and swallowing imaging assessments and then also some follow-up with those patients that I was seeing for assessments there. And I was thinking about it when I was doing it and I was like, you know, I really could kind of just set up my own thing and then not have to do all the travel all the time. And I definitely still do the travel. I mean, I, I still have an ENT office I go into a couple times a month and, um, it's a very rural office. It's a smaller town than what I'm in now, but it's exciting because they get that imaging and they were so excited about it. And it's so fun to get to have that collaborative relationship that we work so hard to maintain. Um, so I just kind of ended up having an opportunity to start kind of small with the brick and mortar with just kind of like a very small little location. And then I saw that all of my patients were like, well, I also need PT. And I was like, well, let's find a PT. Let's do it. <laughs> and so I ended up finding my first physical therapist. And now we've expanded to having, you know, full-time physical therapy and multiple other therapists working with us um, to provide in-office services, but also we go into assisted living. So we're kind of in the area doing all those things. Sarah, I love that so much. Talk talk a little bit about, I've been having conversations all day, so it's really on my, on my brain about this sort of talk about the mindset that you had to go through and sort of the mental 
battles you had to to face to, you know, I know a lot of times it's like, who am I to start this? Or do I have all the tools and the resources? Like, can I really take on this? Is this something I can really do? And I would love for you to share a little bit about your your mindset through all of that. Oh, gosh. So yeah, there, there is, that's definitely a huge piece of it, because it is really scary. And especially since I did do it pretty early in my career, you know, it's not like I'd been practicing for 30 years and felt, you know, like I knew everything I needed to know to do it. I work really, really hard to surround myself with people who know more than I do about all kinds of different things, not even just speech pathology, just people who have more wisdom and that I can easily go to, to be like, okay, what do you think? Mm -hmm. You know, because it's, it's not something you need to completely do alone, but I will say another big piece of that is the leadership development piece, which I do feel like being involved in my state association, the Georgia Speech and Hearing Association, early on in my career, because I actually was on a committee in graduate school while I was in Alabama, because I knew I was coming back to Georgia, and I wanted to go ahead and start that networking as a student. And so that was really important to me. But I think building leadership skills and confidence through that really helped me have the confidence to follow what I felt like my heart was pulling me to do because I wanted to be able to do good things for patients Mm -hmm. without the constraints of what a typical corporate healthcare system looks like. Yeah. And so I, I really think that the leadership qualities and the leadership training I've done and all that definitely really, really influences that. Yeah. Yeah. Can, so can you talk a little bit about sort of those leadership development skills? Like, can you talk about some things that you really, I don't know, leaned on to, to get through this? Yeah. So I will say I did a lot of, you know, just general reading different leadership philosophies, things like that. I really, we lean towards definitely more of a servant leadership style of model because and we're very people first. Because like I was saying, we, we work really hard to humanize the healthcare process. And I, I look at that from, you know, managing the practice with the therapist and the patient. So, you know, the pressures that are put on the therapist to do certain things is not how we run our company because we want the good things to be done for the patients and it not to be like a high unethical pressure situation. And, and there's so many leadership opportunities. I don't think people realize out of the field of speech pathology. Like, I think it's important to be really involved. I think being involved in your state association is very important because there are so many good things that come out of that. But then also, like, I'm in a local leadership group that we're doing, um, like, a year program for leadership development. And there's just so many things like that where you can really hone in those communication skills, like learning how to empower people and just really kind of refining those skills that give you the confidence to do your job, because that's, that's really what refining those skills does for you. You'll be more confident in what you're doing when you feel like you can communicate adequately and make decisions and just, you know, feel like you're doing a really good job. Yeah. So, so talk a little bit about, you know, you keep saying humanizing healthcare, which I I love that concept. I love that thought. Can you give any examples of things that you, you know, when you were out working in skilled nursing or you were out working in the world, you were like, I'm going to do this differently. Or when I start my private practice, I am going to do these things differently. We will not do things this way. And I just wonder if you can give some examples of things that 
you were really steadfast in changing in your practice? Okay. So one, one big thing we work really hard to do is to build trust with the patient and their families, because most of the time it is a team effort, especially, I mean, we see a lot of people with neurological disorders, you know, Parkinson's disease, things like that, where the whole family is going to be involved because it's such, you know, a lifetime of different types of care that the person needs. And so we work really hard to develop those personal relationships and that trust and just really how how we figure out how to communicate the evidence and how to use that evidence-based practice, but communicate it in a way that the family actually understands why they're doing things. You know, there, I was actually, I was talking to someone the other day who's not involved in the healthcare world whatsoever, but how he is training his employees is he began by looking at the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And he's like, you know, everybody, you want to pay more money, pay more money, but really the money is not what is important. Like there's, there's other needs ahead of that, being able to pay for things. So from our practice standpoint, what we kind of look at is that just coming in and getting therapy isn't the only thing they need. You know, they need to feel like they're inspired to use what they're getting when they go home. And so you kind of have to learn how to build that confidence in them and that kind of trust in you and in themselves that they understand why they're doing what they're doing. and it. It really, it works out well for the patients and the families there. They seem to be very happy. (laughs) Good. I love that, Sarah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. So so talk a little bit about giving back to the SLP community. I know that's something that's important to you. Yeah. So I know I've mentioned a couple of times my involvement with the Georgia Speech and Hearing Association. Um, I'm actually the president-elect for this next year. Oh, congratulations. This spring summer, so that'll be good. Oh, and so, oh, that'll be a great experience for you. Yeah, it'll be good. I've been involved for so long, so I'm kind of excited. I have yeah. some ideas for you know goals for the year, and it'll be it'll be good. We have a good little group. Good, yay, Sarah! I'm I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. I really do always encourage students to be involved with their state associations. There's so many just important connections that you can make from an advocacy standpoint, which I mean, we advocate for our patients, but then we also need to, you know, advocate for our profession sometimes too, because what people don't know, they don't know. And if there aren't professionals showing up for that, then no one will ever know what we need. So I think that's really important as far as giving back, because obviously those are volunteer positions. So anytime you can kind of give back and give some of your talents back to different committees within your organizations, whether it's helping with PR or communication or, you know, any little thing you can do to be on a committee or volunteer for anything is always wonderful. I also, we we recently started this year working with some other practices on like business development, which has been fun. That's been kind of a new facet of what we were doing. And it's been kind of a fun new kind of business addition, helping practices start like dysphagia programs within their private practice, because a lot of times, you know, they want like they're getting swallowing referrals, but a lot of practices are pediatric based. And so they're swallowing and 
they're swallowing assessments and things they're doing are very different than the adult side of things. And so I have some practices we've worked with to really just like amp up their dysphagia program and how they're providing services to their patients. So kind of adding in that consultant role to really help people feel confident about what they're doing, like feeling like they're giving, you know, really quality services to their patients. Yeah. That's always exciting. It is. I love this so much, Sarah, because I just, I I love hearing your story of what you first thought you would be coming out of grad school to what you're doing now. And it's just so different. I think I just, I I want to never would have guessed it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I really wanted to share your story because I think it's so inspirational. And if there's other SLPs out there that are just, you know, feeling lost or they just don't feel fulfilled. There's, I, I, I always say all the time, I just love this field so much because there is so much that we can do. It's just, it's, it's tough. It's really tough to convince yourself that it's okay to take this leap of faith and to just find that inner trust that you can do this. So, yeah. but even, um, I mean, even if you're not jumping off to start a private practice, like I was, I was thinking about it earlier. Today, actually, I was like, you know, leadership development is really important. And I think a lot of people really focus on it if they're taking on like a big role, like either trying to start a private practice or, you know, going into management. But really, it's so important before that, like you can develop so many skills that help you feel really good about what you're doing before you are actually in kind of like a manager or like a a role where you're the one in charge, because all those skills are important for any type of advocacy. Like you need to feel comfortable, like you can communicate with doctors. That's so important. Like a, you have to be able to do that if you are in any medical SLP position, yeah. you know, and so doing anything like that to develop those skills that aren't directly speech pathology skills can really, I think, transform your practice because you can know all of the information in your brain Yeah. if we can't communicate it to the patients or the doctor, because that is intimidating. I mean, you come out of school and you are expected to be able to talk to all these professionals that have been in the field for a really long time. And it's important to feel like, okay, I can talk about this. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I think it's, it's tricky because it's, you know, we have a master's degree and, you know, some of us are in communication disorders is what the degree is in. And, and we just might not have good training in actual communicating with other disciplines. And yeah, yeah, it, it's something that I know that I've tried. I had to really work on because I just felt like, I don't know, it was, it was a really hard skill for me to learn when, when I was first working in skilled nursing too. So yeah. And I remember even sitting down at my first ENT meeting, I think I reached out to like a ton of ear, nose and throat practices. And I got an email back to come have a lunch meeting. And I prepared so heavily for this meeting because I was like, I'm going to be quizzed. This is terrifying. Yep. And it was actually wonderful. It was totally fine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I mean, you have to like really practice those communication skills you know, in so many different facets. Um, okay. So something else that I know is important to you is, is giving back to your local community. So I would love to hear more about this because I know you're in a really, 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 really rural area of Georgia. So yeah. Yeah. So we, well, our area is pretty rural, but we're also kind of like a regional hub. So we're in kind of a, 
I don't know, it's kind of a neat spot to be in because everybody kind of comes to where we are for any kind of appointments or things like that, or like to go grocery shopping, like they're coming to our town. And so with the local leadership group that I'm involved in now, I've really gotten to connect with them. And between that and a couple of different committees I sit on around the area, um, I've gotten to connect with so many different people in the community who had no idea what speech pathologists, even occupational therapy or physical therapy did. They had no idea. And so it's been really fun to be able to kind of advocate for what we do in a local, at a local kind of area. And then, but also just provide education and just kind of work together to do good things for people. It's just been kind of a neat, neat thing to add on. That's been really fun and rewarding because I get to see, you know, how how we can best serve the community and what the community's needing um, because I'm involved in those things. And if you're not involved in like serving on different committees or, you know, volunteering for different organizations that are near nearby, you really don't know what's needed. Yeah. You know, so even if you did want to start a private practice in, in your brain, you may think like, oh, this sounds fun. This is what I want to do for my private practice. but you may, you know, go volunteer at a local organization and be like, wow, this is what they really need here. Like there are so many people who need this certain service that was not even what I was thinking. So just really getting out to get to know the community can be so, so important Yeah, to finding like a niche area of what to do. Was there anything specific that you discovered that you should include in your practice that you weren't thinking of? Or yeah, was there anything surprising in, in doing that sort of research? So what really I found is that we really needed some neurofocused therapy. So actually it's kind of, there's kind of two parts and one of them is not related to speech pathology at all. So neurofocused therapy in general, we found was really not provided in our area. And so we've been able to kind of fill those gaps for that. And then on the physical therapy side of things, everyone was driving really far away for pelvic floor therapy. And so we were able to kind of fill that gap as well. So that's been really exciting to kind of be able to say, we're here for lots of different things. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Nothing to do with a speech therapist at all. I know, but that's, that's so cool. I mean, that's just so cool that you're able to, you know, sort of create this all-inclusive practice. I think, you know, I've talked to so many people throughout the years who have said like, oh, I really desire to create this like neuro-based center. Uh, And I feel like it's, you know, what a lot of people aspire to do is really just this whole person therapy and and be able to offer a lot of different services. So I just think it's so inspirational that you're doing it, Sarah. So Well, the most fun thing to me too has really just been like being kind of the community problem solver. Like I'm yeah, seeing what yeah. they need and I'm like, okay, how can we add this in? I really, I would love to hire a dietitian. That's my next, awesome. my next step because that's really what we need. Yeah. Cause we also, we see a lot of patients with head and neck cancer. We've fostered a really good relationship with our local group here, our local oncology group. And we get a lot of really good referrals, but there's no, dietitian in the area that really focuses on that population. It's so specific yeah. and they really need someone who can kind of specialize in that. So I've been working on that for a while, but it's really hard. Cool. Not everybody you need. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that, Sarah. Thank you so much for sharing that. 
Um, yeah. Any any final thoughts? This has been so wonderful. So thank you so much for sharing. I guess really just to not, I just don't, I don't think anyone should ever box themselves into one kind of part of their practice. Yeah. And like whenever I first started, I was very convinced, like, I'm going to do mobile fees. That's all I'm doing. And that is still a really important part of what we do. And, you know, imaging is a hundred percent, one of the most important things that I feel like I get to do in my practice. But if I had just said, I'm going to do mobile fees and no one can talk me out of it. And yeah. no, no one can tell me to do anything differently. I would be in a very different place than I am right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny you said that because I was just having a conversation with someone before you about, you know, she's getting into, mo- into doing mobile fees now. And she's like, well, what if, what if I want to contract with an ENT? And I said, well, then do that. Yeah. You know, I said, don't box your, I, I said the same exact thing. I said, don't box yourself in. I said, really the, the sky's the limit with people that need our services. Like as sad as that is to say, there's so many people, there's so many populations that need our services and it's up to us to go out and find them and go out and find the providers to make, you know, relationships with and go out and find the facilities to make the relationships with. So I just want to super commend you for going out and doing that, Sarah, and finding the people that need you. Well, it's been fun. I can't imagine doing anything else. When I think back on it, I'm like, there's no way I could have done anything else than what I did. Yeah. 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 So. I love that. But one, one, one final thought, if you don't mind me asking, I, you know, I just love sort of the, the working mother concept, you know, it's like, it's so important to me to be a mom, but also have my working identity. And I know you have two really small kids too. And I would really just yeah. love if you could share how you're balancing it. Cause I know that's something that, you know, I know there's more than just women that listen to this podcast, but it's something that, you know, gets brought up a lot. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely a huge balance. I will say my little girl loves what I do. And she tells me all the time, she's going to be a speech ethologist. Oh my gosh. She'll even like, if I have like a picture from an exam on my phone, she'll be like, Oh mama, that's a throat. Like that's a throat. Are you going to go put cameras in someone's nose today? Like she's very (laughs) aware of what I'm doing and really, really fun. I've kind of included them in a lot of what I do. Yeah. But you do have to work hard to make it a balance and make it where you don't take work home all the time and that you're making time for the important moments with them, because obviously that's number one, you know, yeah, yeah. able to see your family grow. And a lot of that's why I started my private practice. So I had more control over that. And I could say, you know, I got a party to go to at pre-K. Yep. So that's where I'm going today. <laughs> the truth. I, I totally get that 100%. So, oh, that's so cute. You know, it's so funny. It's like, I, I bring, my daughter comes into the office all the time. Just sometimes when I need to just get a few things done, I'll bring her in. But it's funny because I don't think she actually knows what I do. And I started PRNing at the hospital again. And she, so I put my scrubs on the other morning and she said, mom, are you going to work at the hospital? Yeah. I said, yes, I'm going to work at the hospital. And she was, are you working at baby sharks hospital? Oh no. (laughs) I'm sure. I was like, I had no idea where this came from. And I was like, I don't know if baby shark's going to be there. And she said, okay, we'll say hi to little fish if you see him. And I was like, where's this story coming from? Yeah. If you ask, my my little girl is four and she, if you ask her, what does your mom do at work? She said she helps people swallow cookies. That's so cute. She also is really good at doing voice exercises. She'll sit at the table and do lip trills and she'll be like, mama, my voice is so healthy. (laughs) 
I'm like, you're right. Your voice is healthy. <laughs> it's so cute, Sarah. Oh, well, you just inspired me to get my daughter a little more involved. And because I, I, who knows what she tells people what I do. So mm-hmm. apparently all I, I just work at Baby Sharks Hospital now. So yeah, that sounds knows. pretty fun, though. <laughs> I bet it's fun. Lots of songs and dancing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate you. And that's a wrap for this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to download the show notes from this episode, please visit swallowyourpridepodcast.com. There you can also sign up for our email list so that you'll never miss another episode. If you do like what you hear, then please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or share it on social media with your friends and colleagues because that is what keeps these episodes coming. If you'd like to be a guest, share feedback, or request a topic to be discussed on the show, please email podcast at TeresaRichard.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week.